RPG for You and Me presents a special Patreon miniseries. Welcome to Silica Valley. You guys are going to set off after the Trailblazers with your very large success last night. You definitely have a good idea of uh, the direction they've been going in or the direction they've been milling about. Uh, are you going on foot? Or are you taking your Jeep? Jeep, Jeep, Jeep. Yeah, I'll take a Jeep to get considerably closer than we are now. From the previous night, was there a clear area that they were going to get uh, like to feed or drink at? that I could start from. Yeah, definitely. And I, I really like uh, the idea of there being uh, some smaller body of water, like a stream that runs through here, because uh, this is an area where it starts becoming less deserty and more rocky terrain. And I think that mm -hmm. that body of water probably heads towards the Cobalt Coast, which is one of the next destinations that you guys had puzzled out on the map. So I think that given you know that that area used to be you know, a huge lake or river, that there would be a smaller body of water that uh, feeds to it. What's a cool name for the body of water that you guys are following? Do they have a name for it in your tribe or somewhere more local? Is there anything special about it, do you think? I like the idea, since you said cobalt, that the water runs like brightly blue. Like that milky kind of sky blue. Fresh. Oh, I like that. I mean, this is probably one of the only major bodies of water here, even if it's not super big in and of itself. So maybe it is just referred to in a broader sense. Yeah, they might just call it the, the blue water. Blue water, blue line, blue stream. The tribe calls it, yeah, blue line, yeah. Oh, oh, guys, what if it's the tear? The tear? Yeah, because like you cry in blue, like tears, blue water, I don't know, dripping down a cheek. It's sad. Well, maybe it is sad, I don't know. Or maybe it's tears of happiness because they can fucking drink. The cobalt tear. If y'all don't like that, it's cool. I'm just spitballing. I'm cool with no bad ideas and brainstorming. The blue runs into into the tear. Like there's a body of water along it that is called the tear. It might be like a, the drinking hole or like the water hole that a lot of the creatures drink at. So the 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 blue leads to the tear. I like I that. I like it. The blue line and the tear or the cobalt tear. We gotta hunt some birds. That's what it sounded like to me. So you guys are going to follow the blue line until it leads to the cobalt tier, which is a, a local watering hole. I, I imagine that that body of water is probably just like a large pond, you know, like you would typically find out in the desert as a watering hole. Not enormous, but enough to sustain endemic life. And there's probably one of those uh, truces of the animal kingdom where most things that come to drink there will not uh, attack one another. Out of hand. I'm just now referencing the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> I realize. I mean, there's the Jungle Book that's also in the Lion King. Yeah, so. True. Yeah, we're, we're going with Disney truce rules. 
Um, yes, Disney truce. <laughs> probably not uh, how it functions in actuality, but there are a lot of uh, different types of creatures that gather here. Given your successes spotting them last night, I think it's pretty easy for you to determine that that is certainly where they're going to be headed. So I don't think that it would cause you any additional uh, strife to just make your way there. And then we can uh, pick up when you guys have spotted them. H how often do you go hunting? Let's start there. Um, I think I mostly do uh, small game survival hunting. Any of the larger, like this type of stuff, I think is pretty intimidating to me. It's a big deal for my tribe. It's like a like really big deal when people are able to do this. So he is probably a little intimidated by the, the prospect to begin with. In terms of hunting trailblazers, you really only have two options for approach, which is you either need to, you know, get them by surprise as you... I guess these are just kind of general hunting rules, but uh, you would either need to catch them by surprise before they have a chance to run away, or else you need to have uh, a means of being able to follow them. And that you would also realize that, you know, although you have a Jeep and your Jeep can certainly go as fast as they can, these creatures are far more nimble and uh, statistically, in terms of modifiers, they would have a much higher handling to their roles than, uh, than you would to your Jeep, so... You have the speed, but they have the flexibility, uh, at least until they put on super speed. Now, I have a question mm -hmm. about kangaroos. Okay. <laughs> is this bullshit that the way they hunt kangaroos is that they run after them until the kangaroos, like, lactic acid builds up so much that they just stop moving? Is that a real true fact, or is that just some bullshit I heard, like, in high school and was like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I've also read that, oh. so... I feel like that's true, but it sounds like Chase knows something too. Like humans historically have been believed to be an attrition hunter where we would run things to death. Oh my God. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they think us and dogs uh, worked. Oh, because uh, we like well, to run. We had similar, <laughs> we had similar uh, hunting styles where we would run a creature until it was so exhausted it would stop moving and then we'd kill it. That's wild. It was more about just an endless pursuit than necessarily an, uh, an overpowering situation. But then, you know, there was there's the evidence that we learned how to run things off of cliffs. And that also helped us kill Big Bird. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Game. Like mammoths. That, that was one of the ways that uh, people would hunt mammoth was they would drive them off cliffs. Listen, I played Far Cry Primal. <laughs> I didn't run any mammoths. <laughs> well, then it doesn't have very good verisimilitude. That's does it? true. Yeah, that, those are all uh, very good points. So in this case, you would probably realize that attrition hunting isn't as effective given that they can put on super speed when necessary to far outstrip you. Mm -hmm. So th that is probably the greatest hindrance in this situation is if you don't take them out quickly enough, it's going to be harder to catch them. Yeah. And if there are many of them, you can only go in one direction. So if they split up, then you're going to be... Make a choice. Yeah, you're gonna have to make a choice of what you're following. Mm -hmm. My plan was to try and dig a giant pit for them to fall into with my powers to just try and like carve out an area where I can try and drive them towards so they'd fall down and hopefully hurt themselves. And then I'm hiding in the pit and I can stab yeah. them. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I mean, I really like this idea. My idea was much more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and I want I want to let it let it air to the table where uh, Sia would be hanging off of the jeep, trying to stab these birds in pursuit, 
while Set's driving doing cool stuff, but this makes so much more sense. <laughs> so yeah, much less so dangerous. I figured we could dig a very deep pit and then there could be a situation where like maybe a small pit that we disguise you under that's not as deep. And then from if one of them gets in there, you can come from the top and throw the net over him. Dope, dope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think this is definitely doable. I think it's, I'm not going to make you like roll to pick out a spot. You can definitely find a spot that is within a reasonable distance of them so that you wouldn't, you know, spook them from doing this. And then you'd be able to, you know, try to strategically drive them in this way. How would you like to go about preparing the pit? I would use my sand shaping to just start digging it out larger and larger as much as you'd allow me. Sand shaping uses D10 strength about of how much stuff I can move, so... Yeah, and you can, with the D10 strength, we've done the math on this in the past, most recently with uh, the season finale, you could move several hundred pounds worth of something with a D10 strength. Yeah, rough. To just, you know, scoop that a bit at a time. So I don't think it would take you a terribly long time to prepare a pit. I would say that it just kind of depends on how intricate you want this to be. And that, I mean, even with your powers, I'd... I don't really want to place time limitations on it because I feel like you could get a decent sized pit in a shorter period of time. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Yeah. And then, yeah, I would just take the same tarp that I used to cover the truck when we're uh, trying to when I'm trying to disguise it and like lay that over, dust it with sand, maybe dig out a smaller pit for see it a lie in wait. And then set can uh, maybe with some of the sand that we brought up, build a subtle V channel towards the pit. So if something wasn't paying attention, like if it was panicked, it might just kind of take the lower path and then run into this area. I think that makes sense too, yeah. Then let's see here, for setting all of this up, to me that will be, you know, provided you can successfully drive them this way, I think that it would probably end up being a contested role for them, like a notice versus stealth or whatever you've used to prepare this to see if they even notice something in the first, it'll be in stages, so. Yeah, uh, I think it'll probably be whether they can see it, whether they can avoid the the pitfall itself, and then if they get trapped in there, you know what happens from there. So that all sounds really cool to me. I think that this to me would be an arcane skill roll. So roll, go ahead and roll your essence, okay. and then we'll bank that number. Wild dice blows up to a seven. So I'm going to use that as their target number. Okay for when they're trying to detect any shenanigans. (laughs) What are the dimensions of the pit then? To catch a whole bird? Is it like a trench? That's what I'm wanting to... It'd have to be long because if they start to like peel off in a different way to still get them trapped. Mm -hmm. It just depends where you build it. You know, if you built it between a bunch of rocks so that they would have to run it. That sounded kind of like what Chase was saying. That's a good idea. Where he's trying to funnel them towards a specific point. Yeah, we should do that. Depth would have been the primary goal because the deeper I can get it, the harder they're going to hit when they land um, and the harder it would be for them to climb out. So as sheer as I could make it. And since these things can be up to 12 feet tall, I would imagine they probably get around four to six feet wide. So let's double that in width. So about 12 feet wide, 12 feet deep. Okay. That's a respectable amount of deep, and I can crawl out. You could if you were down uh, there, yeah. I would hope that you're not even in, in the pit at all. Well, I got to stab them, right, to paralyze them, to make sure we can kill them real quick 
I'm so excited to smite this bird. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly welcome to try. Okay, well, 12 feet by 12 feet. Or what about 16 feet by 12 feet? Because they're about, they can be 12 feet tall themselves. Oh, they could just hop out. Yeah, it's true. So and how, uh, what's the third dimension? Oh, I was thinking round. So like a cylinder. Okay, I see. Gotcha. So is the 12 feet the radius or the diameter? (laughs) The radius. So 24 foot diameter. Is your tarp big enough to cover that? My pretend tarp is big enough to cover that. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fine. Okay. So yeah, you've got, uh, you've managed to dig out your trench, your big old pit trap. You get your tarp over it. You covered that with some sand and silt, you said. Yeah. Just, you know, disguise it. it down. Yeah. Dust it. And what did you, what were you doing with uh, funneling them in? Did you say you were just trying to make little sand ridges that sort of lead towards it so that yeah, they're just like if more I can find a natural funnel, like like you said, like rocks or something that kind of steer them in a direction, and then yeah, I would just uh, put it so it's like ridged up on the side, so it looks like the smoothest path is in the middle. Uh, so very you cool. Know, if you were running, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's my road. It looks like, I like a trail. birds. Yeah. They're going to get so, so trapped. <laughs> Turns out they're Unless psychic they're geniuses and we don't know. <laughs> Aha, they have psionics. psionics as well. <laughs> no. Do we have any psionic animals yet? Um. Yeah, humans. Off the top, I, f- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we probably tossed some ideas around, but I don't know that we've featured any in particular. I, I assume it would probably be you know, either a defense mechanism to mess with people's minds so that they like can get away. Like an illusion dog. <laughs> right, something like that. Or a predator that can, you know, put things to sleep or, <laughs> you know, confuse them or something like that. So there's plenty of ripe territory for that. Just imagine a shark that can cast confusion. It's a regular shark. Yeah. I see a shark, I'm already confused. <laughs> what am I doing out here? Why am I in the ocean? <laughs> yeah, why am I in the water? Uh. So it's early to mid-morning, You've spent some time setting up the trap. I don't really imagine that would take you longer than like 30 minutes, probably, given the ease with which you can scoop things out. And it would probably be more just about putting the fine-tuned touches on it. Uh, So very blue sky, not too many clouds out here, you know, very little precipitation or anything like that. I always imagine that there are insects in the background that you can hear, especially in the shrubbery and the bushes. Do desert insects sound different than like swamp insects? Are they like like a drier sounding maybe? No, I always kind of assume they'd sound like cicadas, if anything. That makes sense to me. But I really don't know if there even are desert insects that make a lot of noise. There well, are. now there are. There are. Yeah, there you go. Excellent. Sia looks down into the pit. Can I can I help with anything? Oh, I'm not or even in keep... the pit. I'd be up top. <laughs> just... Yeah, he doesn't have to be in the pit. You can... <laughs> do, do you need... Okay, am I helpful for this? I, I can hold this umbrella for you. And she pops one open that she has. She didn't know if it'd be rainy anywhere she was going. <laughs> it's a, like a parasol. Like a sunshade. Uh, I need you to post up nearby. You got that uh, that net that you uh, purchased earlier? I surely do, and I'm uh, I I'm really sorry about yours. I didn't mean to lose it. I thought it was going to work really well, and uh, we don't know that it did. Well, this is your time to make up for it. You're going to be point man, so if I can get one of these driven on top of the the tarp here, when it caves in, I'm going to want you to throw that on top of uh top of them down there, and then. You said something about being able to 
Get them with your tail. It's one of my specialties. <laughs> so we just, hmm, we need to dig out a spot for you to hide and cover you a little bit so you blend in. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. Smear dirt on her. She's already there. <laughs> so <laughs> dusty. Shower. Dirt life. She sneezes. It's all that black, gray dirt that comes out when you sneeze after you've been in the dust for <laughs> days on end. <laughs> oh, no. All the birds hear you and run instantly. <laughs> no. <gasps> she she moves around the rocks and is like, can you see me from here? Can I? <laughs> That's up to you. How well have you hidden? Yeah. Stealth for you. <laughs> we just see her giant tail poking up and like wavering <laughs> above the rock. That's an 11 stealth. Oh boy. That's pretty good. It's a nice little nook. Maybe she can fold up, get really compact. Well, I mean, that is part of the, the Yara ancestry is your... Your extra legs and limbs can retract into your body to some extent. To some extent. Now, that could be a little bit different for you, given that your tail is part of your psiology. That's up to you. Maybe she curls it up like a little, like a spiral on her back, like a spare tire on her (laughs) That's fun. I like that. Yeah, so I rolled a nine on my notice, so you are very well hidden to me. Nice. This is acceptable PvP. (laughs) (laughs) Consensual PvP. The best kind. The best kind, yes. Yeah, so uh, you you seem to have found a, a pretty good spot to hide in for when this trap is sprung. Ooh, can I prepare um, a lower trait? Uh, for it's one of my psychology powers. Okay. Uh, I was gonna have lower athletics, so I could jab it if it was trying to escape. So you want to have that as like a held action? Well, I have to. I have to make it to use it. You have to you have to make it beforehand for beneficial stuff. Oh, it's only for beneficial stuff? Yeah, so so thematically for psychology, one of the things I wanted to do like you all of your knowledge about how your body functions and your powers and stuff is how your body functions. So you know how to trigger stuff for you, but you have to take a moment to prepare it for anything beneficial for like your allies. Um, for anything detrimental, it doesn't matter because it doesn't have to be keyed to any specific physiology okay, because so you're I trying to wreck somebody. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, if you were wanting to prepare a boost trait to give to set, you would have to do that in advance because, like, Can mechanically, make... the reason is you just can't do it during combat because that's gotcha. one of the ways it's set differently. While he's finishing up the pit stuff, she makes a boost trait for him for driving. Okay. Maybe it just makes him a little bit more aware of everything going on, the vibrations of the Jeep. Ooh, I like that. So what what form of extract do you create? Most of her extracts are actually administered through her tail. Like it's her injector point, kind mm-hmm. of. So she's just ready to jab him with it. Well, so what I'm, I, you could do that, but I guess the point of uh, a consumable that you can give to him like, you could cast it on him now, but if you don't want him to use it until later, it would have to be, like, a physical item that he consumes. What if it's, like, milking a spider? Is that a... No, milking a snake, not a spider. I'm like, dumb. putting your venom into a vial or something. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. just, fun. like, pulls on the tip of her tail a little bit and some just caustic-looking bullshit comes out. Like, probably blue like her eyes. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, that's basically what Roja did for Athena when she spit into a vial and gave it to that's you and you drank it. Well, she just <laughs> stabs her so frequently, I forget it doesn't it doesn't have to be that. All right. I think it'd be funny, cool. too, if you, like, you you hold up a vial with, like, the rubber on the top and you, like, Kika! and you still stab it with just as much <laughs> zeal as you would if you were fighting somebody. <laughs> And then you just nice. hold it there for a second. You're like, there we go. <laughs> Beautiful. 
It's all about the force behind, right? <laughs> I like the sound effect. Very, very Dale Gribble of you. <laughs> you give him a vial of sky blue liquid. Yeah, and she... Flavor kinda... jolts this. <laughs> it is jolt. Don't worry about it. It'll give you a nice jolt. This won't last forever, so use it when you think you need it. But it'll it'll help out, I promise. Uh, how long does boost trait actually last? Five rounds. If a minute-ish. Yeah. It'll only last for about a minute. So make it a good one. Drive real fast. Drive real good. This will help, maybe. I didn't actually roll my psychology yet. Thought I should do that. Yeah, you should. My psychology is a D6, so like it's not the best, but it's it's passable. And just remember, like, this is a low-pressure situation, so if you fail, you lose a power point, but you can roll again. You don't have to Benny it. Well, thank God, because I need to roll again. Okay, so you're down one power point. That's a seven. A seven is a success, but no raise, so it will boost your appropriate skill, in this case driving, by one whenever you use it. it it's going to burn your throat, but don't spit it out. That'll make it so much worse. If I remember correctly, is it one dice type or a plus one? It's a, it's a die type. So if you have a, okay, a D6 driving, you'd go to a D8. I think <clears throat> I might have done there. Okay. It might actually be something that you use. We don't roll until you use it, but it's it doesn't matter. This is fine. I know I couldn't do yeah. this because my stuff only affects organics, but casting smite on a car <laughs> that you're running somebody <laughs> over with. Yeah. Uh, th- How would that work? Thematically, it's a... Uh, that's part of the thing for psychology is everything has to be organic. Right, but that's if it was like weird science. If it was weird science, it's however you flavor it. I mean, so thematically, I think you have to cast smite on a weapon, like on an object. But I, I would, of course, rule that you could definitely do that because I think that's a fun idea and it's really cool. If Do you have smite as a power? I do. It's one of my two powers. What, what are the trappings? It, it was like poison based. So it, all of her shit is toxic. I mean, you could just smear poison on the front of the car and then you could assume that when it gets hit, it applies the poison. I would go for that. You know, it's a little, it's a little little squishy, but but again, you know, it's science fantasy magic. It's a contact poison. Exactly. It still makes sense to me. (laughs) Listen, you need to make them bleed first, but once it gets in the system. Yeah. So like Smite says the power is cast on a weapon of some sort. A car can be a very efficient weapon. I I would, (laughs) if you would like to do that, you may. I don't Um, know if he has to ram these things though. That would be the thing is you'd have to try to ram it. And I really don't want to blow up his car by having him ram these things that explode, (laughs) potentially. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a very reasonable concern. Because all she knows about these birds right now is what Seth's told her, and that's that they make fire from a bladder that could rupture, she knows, from being mm science-y. That seems like a bad call. That's true. But she's ready. She's going to do whatever Seth tells her to, because he knows a lot more about the stuff out here she's come to realize in the past 24-hour period. Ready, set, go. Is there any other prep that you guys would like to do? Uh Uh-huh. I would like to drink some jolt. That's good prep. Gets, gets that uh, gets that heart bumping. He puts his goggles down and he presses play on his tape deck. Love it. I, I, what kind I, of music I, is it this time? Let me roll my D10. I like that being like a quick series of images too with just, you know, hot fuzz style, you know. I wouldn't Goggles mind. down, yeah. tape deck, crack the jolt. <laughs> and uh, it's hip hop, so. Uh, so, Seth, what is your approach here? How do you plan on driving them towards this trap. 
I'm basically gonna need to first locate them. So I'm gonna drive out in a radial arc back and forth until I can spot any of them. Start like kind of driving towards them and serpentining side to side when they start trying to veer in a direction or another uh, to try and get them to start running in one way. Okay, for sure. See, it's mid-morning, bright blue sky, lots of insects going. I think we can see that the heat waves are starting to rise up over the landscape, you know, creating those soft mirages, very dry and stifling in the air. You've definitely been able to spot them by this point. They're at the watering hole. They seem to be congregating uh, just in that general area, probably resting. There's a, a big outcropping of stone that creates a patch of shade that several of them are nestled underneath. They make occasional squawks or screeches to one another, but otherwise seem to be in a lazy fashion. You know, they're they're not in a hurry at the moment. From here, you can definitely tell that there are two males and two females. The females are substantially taller than the males, although the males are smaller and much more brightly colored. Because of what we talked about earlier, you know, the males being more vibrant than the females, they're probably the ones that have the more expensive plumage, like that oh, might be used okay. to make fashion things, although they're all probably fire retardant. Ooh, what if the males have like their sheen it's more of like an oil like an oil puddle on the ground that kind of rainbow iridescence to it but okay. the, the ladies do not like an oil slick on the feathers specifically like oh, okay. they're just patterned in a more rainbow oil slick kind of like reflective kind of thing and that's maybe so like, their feathers are more valuable for that reason just aesthetically sure but the ladies have it more muted it's like they have dark plumage but it's like theirs are iridescent yeah that's a really cool idea i like that a lot Otherwise, I think they just look mostly like giant roadrunners, but with the different colored plumage. The males also have some feathers on their head that fan out and frills, almost peacock-like at, at times. Like peacock quails. Yeah, but more in like a, uh, in a mohawk style. Oh, that's cool. Lays down flat behind their head, sort of like hair, but then it- Oh, know, but it can go up. It goes up in more of a mohawk. When they're peacocking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or when, when they, they get alarmed. Yeah, when they get alarmed or when they're squawking at one another. So when they're interacting with one another, you saw you probably see some movement from the frills or maybe when they're trying to impress the females. Could you give me a squawk? That, that's not very good. Yeah, that'll be good in post. <laughs> they're making occasional trips out to the water, but otherwise going back and uh, occasionally sunbathing or moving back to the shade when they get too hot. It's probably just a cycle that they repeat every so often. The females do not seem to be as active as the males right now. Mm -hmm. The closer you get, certainly the more aware of you they're going to be. And when you start making movements in earnest towards them is when all of this is going to pop off. I think what I'm gonna say at the very start here, we're gonna do an opposed driving roll it's gonna be your driving versus their smarts to see how well you can corral them towards your trap. And then the degree of success or failure is probably going to determine how many of them actually head in that direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so as you begin to approach in your serpentine fashion, let's see here. Go ahead and uh, are you using the, the driving mixture yet or are you saving that? I'm gonna save that. Smart. Okay. So uh, go ahead and make me a driving, and I will make a few rolls on my end. I rolled a four and a four. Wonderful. Let's see here. Let's do these. 
Okay. So I got two threes, a four, and a two. I think collectively that means that three of the four are going to fall for your ploy here. So maybe, let's see, which one of them succeeded? Well, the beautiful ladies. Yeah, she had, she, she rolled much better. So one of the females, I think, is going to peel off and run in a direction that is not advantageous for your trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do manage to corral the other three into the funnel there. As you approach, there is certainly more squawking. The males begin to flash their bright head plumage sort of in warning, but they these are skittish creatures, so they are generally not the type to stay and fight. And when it becomes clear that you are not backing down, I don't think they're, you know, used to the sight of cars either, uh, but the rumbling of a Jeep is probably not quiet enough to not upset them. I have a question mm-hmm. and I genuinely don't know. Okay. Does sand in a desert muffle sound at all? I mean, I know we're in like a more rocky area, so it would probably make it vibrate more, but sand itself. Um, cuz the air is open mostly in a desert, so that would wouldn't inhibit sound, but That's true. I sort of imagine in this oasis area, there's there are more like rocky outcroppings that block some of their exits so that like, I imagine that there were several of these mini maces that you built the trap between and that that was helping to funnel them in that direction. Although I don't know if that's actually what it is, but that's what I imagined. I like, dig it. In addition to what uh, Set put together for funneling them that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you do your serpentine back and forth and you begin to push them in the direction of the trap. And I think that that's when we get to the the funnel that you've made and they're all running directly towards the trap. So let me do a notice for the remaining three to see how many of them will be able to spot it beforehand. And we're gonna use your target number of seven for the intricacy of the trap. How smart are these birds? That's a good question. Let's find out. One of them, shocker, is a wild card. (laughs) The other two are not. That one got a three. That one got a three. Five. So uh, all three of them have failed this. <laughs> How are you choosing to pursue them now that now that you've wrangled them in the correct direction? Basically, I'd be kind of driving behind them, and I'd imagine like the three of them are running in a triangle pattern. And then if any of them try and veer one way or another, I'm going to swerve that way and like rev the engine or goose it a little bit and come towards them so they kind of veer back the other way and then try and line up. Or if they keep doing this little dance side to side. I'd be driving side to side to side to make sure that they uh, keep driving straight forward. Gotcha. Their speed is certainly dependent on what speed you are chasing them at. So if you're advancing at a steady pace and you're not gunning it for them and you give them a chance to, you know, build up more of a gap, they're not just going to take off like a bullet. And based on what you said, that seems to be the case. So Mm -hmm. they near the trap and all three of them are running in the triangle formation like you noticed. One of them turns its neck to look backwards to see where you are, and they all three of them speed forward over the pit. The first one crumples the tarp beneath its feet. You see all three of them start to go down as their limbs are flailing in the air and their little chicken wings start to flap, accompanied by myriad squawks and screeches as they tumble into the pit itself. A low shot from the pit that looks up into a black crag of the rock and you just see some blue eyes open. Ooh. And Skessie is gonna get to work, huh? 
Okay, so what what do you do now that this uh, there are trap three has been, of them. There are three of them. There's yep. so many. Well, first you're gonna throw the net. That's an important part of this plan. I don't feel like the net is big enough to cover the entire pit. Probably That's not. That's probably too big. No, I was just thinking it was like, I mean, if you throw like a fishing net, right? It expands out to, to cover some extent, more area, but sure. not a ton. I didn't ask for this at the time, but let's say the net is an entangle power. Let's oh, just cool. treat it like the entangle power and with like a burst template. So maybe you could reasonably get two of the three with one net. Does sure. that seem fair? Yeah. If, I mean, they're pretty big and they're probably clumped together, but. I think she'd aim for the two boys since they're smaller. She feels like she could get both of them. Okay. So what, what do I do for that? Let's see here. I spent two power points. Let's treat, uh, well, you're throwing it. So I think that's athletics. Athletics is okay. anything that you're throwing. I'm going to Benny that. Okay. Damn it, I need Benny it again. Okay. One more. We need these birds. Uh, that's four. So with a success, the target is entangled. Uh, and with a raise, they're bound. When they're entangled, it makes them distracted and they cannot move until they break free of it, but they can still take actions. You hurl the net down into the pit over the, the two smaller males, and you watch the nylon spiral through the air with the weighted tips that fans out in a wide arc, spins and tucks around both of them. And you can tell that the tines of the net haven't fully wrapped around one another just because these two forms are bulky enough and far enough apart that it didn't allow them there, but they're definitely entangled within themselves. Well, second time ever throwing a net. She's feeling good. <laughs> Accompanied by more and more squawking here. At this point, they've fallen down into the pit. I feel like this is probably where initiative starts for like Checks a combat out. situation set in the vehicle what, what is your intention are you are you gonna stay in the vehicle in case somebody gets out or are you gonna jump out and try to help with them in the pit i'm gonna try and bury him <gasps> that's so scary okay set from where you are because you're driving behind them and they've just fallen into the pit i feel like your movement on the first turn can definitely be driving the vehicle up to the pit and getting out but that would probably be your movement could I do a super dramatic, just pull up and like e-brake turn so I'm like diagonal with the pit and I just reach out and start doing this? Yes. Absolutely. C is halfway into the pit, like down from the rock, not understanding the plan. Uh, She's uh, not in the pit yet. All right. First up in initiative is set. You have, oh, a two of hearts. Sia, oh. a two of clubs. No! <laughs> uh, female, jack of spades, males, ten of diamonds. Would you guys like to Benny to redraw? Of course. Yes. Well, am I still... I don't know that I'm going to get higher than a jack or a ten. You could. It's up to you, though. I only have one Benny left. I'm going to stay at a two of clubs. Okay. Yeah, I got five Bennies, so I'm going to spin one. Holy shit. I forget that not everybody spends bennies like they're candy. All right, Chase. Ace of clubs. Set gets an ace of clubs. Perfect. God <laughs> damn. Okay. First up is set. Just screech on up, whip an e-brake e turn, and just turn sideways, sending sand from my tires a little bit into the pit. I'm going to reach out, and my eyes are going to glaze with the same red as the uh, rings that hang over in the night sky for a moment as I 
focus. I'm just going to bear down and start trying to pull as much sand into that pit as I can with my essence. Very cool. The way that I feel like I'm interpreting this is which power are you specifically using? Sand shaping. Is that your cheaper one or is that the telekinesis one? That's the telekinesis one. Okay. So for that one, you go ahead and roll to activate. And that'll determine the strength of your die. I, I love critically the failed. <gasps> Oh, no. Oh, buddy. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Oh, yeah, new relief. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that that covers it. I think it's when you crit fail, you get that's the level of fatigue right. and you have to rest to get it off. Damn. Unfortunately, that means that you both lose the power points and take one level of fatigue. Okay. I have one level of fatigue and I am at 10 power points. So what happens? Oh, man. I think just the the squawking as I pull up and the sand pours on them. I can see the uh, the creatures like like dan- like their heads dancing in the hole. I can hear their cries, and maybe it reminds me of when I was a child. I have a deep seated memory I haven't thought about in a long time, where I was there when the adults slaughtered them, and the cries just echoed in my head, and it brought up just this terrible memory of the suffering of the these animals. Chase, you're going to make me cry. We'll definitely take a Benny for that. That's fantastic. Take a Benny for making me cry. So yeah, maybe we get a point of view shot from uh, Set, and you look down here and uh, you see that Sia has just tossed the net over two of them and these, you know, beautiful, majestic, and possibly deadly creatures sprawled in the dirt, you know, kicking and flailing against the, the rope of the net, rolling over in the dirt, watching it tarnish their brilliant feathers that memory surfaces up and halts you in your tracks. Oof. And I'd like to use my adventure card. Yes, please do. Adrenaline surge. Oh, oh my God, really? Does that give you an extra turn then? Is that what that does? Yeah, your turret gets an additional and immediate turn. Okay. Including new movement. Absolutely. Go ahead. So you've played adrenaline surge. You get an immediate extra turn with all the trappings and good stuff that come with it. I have that moment where I break focus and like my eyes are welling and I'm becoming overwhelmed with the feeling of sorrow and then I remember my tribe in the lean times when we weren't able to successfully hunt these creatures and I bear down and try again to focus and do what needs to be done for them awesome so good roll it I uh, rolled a six with a five from the fatigue. Gotcha. Well, I, hey, that still works. I was literally sitting here holding my breath, being like, God, I hope he doesn't crit fail again. <laughs> so you, you've activated the telekinesis equivalent. So you have a D10 strength. I think that that means because this is a, a more general power, you can use your strength to try to grapple one of them with that sand to like further hold them down. If you want to retroactively call it a multi-action, you could, but that would apply the additional minus two penalty to it, which would mean it it was a failed casting roll. So I didn't specify the terms up front, so that's on me, but I think it would be a grapple against uh, at least one of the creatures. Okay. Yeah, then I'll just do the, the single on just a single creature, basically, because the previous turn I had where I was shaken from it, I think I just, I'm just barely able to pull it out and just, I'll go for the one. Awesome. So, uh, okay. So yeah, go ahead and roll your strength. This is going to be a contested strength at minus two, but they are also going to. I rolled a three total 
So I'm gonna spend a Benny and try and re-roll that. Cool, cool. Oh, three again, and I'm gonna spend one more Benny. Go for it. Okay, I got a four. Okay, well, luckily he got a three. And because you hit the threshold of four for success, that means it is a full success. And because he is already entangled, that bumps him up one stage to bound. So one of these two males is now fully entangled and can do nothing but try to break free of both the sand and dirt and the net. What does it look like when you pull down this mountain of sand? So yeah, it's just a big chunk to just barrels straight into him. Four cubic feet of sand just dropping on him. Maybe it lands and hits ugly where he's like trying to break out from the net with one leg up with their, its talon. And then the, the sand just barrels into him, knocking him flat. And he's got this crushing weight of the sand on top. Awesome. I imagine for for this bird, I feel like I have an equivalent scenario. Like if you're you're in the ocean, like not too deep, you don't think you're really going to get snagged by a wave, but one catches you weird and then the waves keep coming and it just keeps tossing you over and over and you can't get up again because mm, yeah. you don't know which way is up and it's probably close, but you don't know which way. Yeah. Spooky. Next up is the female. Actually, you know what? You said that you dug the tunnel 16 feet deep, right? Yeah. I probably should have rolled some falling damage for them. Oh. So let me, uh, after the fact, do that. That's 1d6 for every 10 feet? It's 1d6 plus 1 per 10 feet. Mm, right. So because this is halfway to the next one, I'm going to bump that up by an additional plus 2. So it'll be 1d6 plus 3. Uh, so let's see here. 2. That one blew up. 11. And five. The one that blew up, I'm going to say that affects the female. So an 11 would deal one wound. The other ones are just shaken. Okay, Um. let's see. I will spend... Spoiler alert, the female is a wild card. So I will spend one of her two bennies to try to soak this wound. She got a one and a three. That's a fail. Uh, so she is going to take one wound. Nice. So we rewind for a second. When they all tumble into the pit, maybe Sia, because you're the closest one, you do hear a slight crack as all three of them tumble in, but it's impossible to tell what exactly made the crack. Could have been a rock, could have been a bone, could have been a stick. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, so it is the female's turn. She is still shaken, so she needs to unshake. And fails. I'm going to spend her second Benny to unshake so that she can act. She's quite tall. So let's do an athletics to see if she can jump her way out of the pit. Oh, she got a two and a one. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, I am not going to Benny that so that I still have one Benny for something else. Maybe we get a shot of the, the female rolling over on her plumage, getting up to her feet, taking a quick moment to look around, and then uh, she leans down and springs up and is clawing at the dirt with her front feet and flapping with her wings, just trying to get enough lift off to get out of the pit, and she gets right up to the lip and then tumbles back down to the ground. I have a question. Sure. How much fire is at the bottom of this pit right now? Initially, there was none because, you know, they, they usually have to start it there. But I think in their in their panic, you probably see some rivulets of oil and stuff getting sprayed around. 
her first instinct was to try to get out. Now that she's failed to get out, we'll see what she does. But I kind of imagine their their talons are almost at times velociraptor like. Ooh yeah, where, they, where they're like yeah, they're sitting there sort of clicking, and that makes it easier for them to scrape their talon along the ground to start the fires. That makes sense to me. So as she tumbles to the ground, you see her start to pace around the pit, and uh, everywhere she steps are these big oily claw marks as she looks around for an easier way up. Does, does it have, like, velociraptor intelligence behind its eyes? That's a good question. Uh, if you... Uh, mm, I will allow you to make a notice on your turn. Okay. To, if that's something that you're interested Maybe. in. Maybe. That is her turn. She's very upsetting. And then it's the males, one of whom is fully bound, the other is entangled. Oh, and they're both shaken. So, let's see here. These guys have a D6 spirit, and they are not wild cards. And because they're both entangled, they're distracted, which means they get a minus two. So they can basically only escape from this if they blow up. Uh, four and a five. Uh, so neither of them even manages to unshake. Rough. Which uh, takes an action to try to get out. So, yeah, I think we just see these two males. The, the one who's been buried in sand, it's probably just flat on its back, covered in net. Its legs are flailing in the air back and forth as it's trying to even right itself or escape from the dirt, but it has literally no leverage and it can't go anywhere. The other one is not yet covered in dirt, but it's still entwined in this net and it's probably trying to get its clawed feet up to tear through it, but is still stuck within the net itself and probably just getting further entangled. And uh, that is their turn. So Sia, back to you. Sia is going to use her wall walker aided movement to descend into the pit. Okay. But still hanging off the wall, you know. Sure, why not? She wants to wild attack to try and do a touch attack to paralyze the big ladybird. Okay. So Go that's for what it. She's doing. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. so my d8 plus one because I'm a Yara. That's a six. Her parry is a six. <gasps> nice. So if you're doing a touch attack, it doesn't deal damage, right? No, it just paralyzes them. Okay. It's a plus two your fighting roll when you do just a touch attack. Yeah, I'm not oh, sure. Shit. I'm not sure if you can if you can do both a wild attack and a touch attack. Let me. I mean, you, you, it sounds like you're still going to hit, so I don't think it matters in Oh, this yeah, the, actually, the six was without my wild attack bonus. Okay. So, either way, it's cool. It doesn't really stipulate that you can't touch wild attack. Well, it says you can use it with multiple attacks and stuff. It doesn't say you can't do that, so I think that's fine. Well, then that would bump me up to an eight. The victim makes a vigor roll if the power is trapping his physical, which it is. If the victim fails the roll, they're incapacitated. <laughs> On the following turns, they make a vigor roll to revive. With a raise, they revive and may act normally. Okay. So I need to make a vigor roll? Yeah. All right. And I have, I think, one Benny left. So I got a seven. Minus one for wounds is a six. Oh, no. So the, it does manage to fight off the paralysis. Shit. This is the first time something's managed to resist you, so. Well, she's only tried to do it, what, once? Once or twice, I think. All right, so yes, uh, she gets a six and uh, succeeds on her victory. And now she's within melee range. And you wild attack. And vulnerable. Yeah. So I think what happens is we see her descend very quickly using her back legs to make her descent more expedient. She whips around her scorpion tail and jabs it maybe right in the neck, but maybe it's just too riled up that the poison does not take 
any kind of effect, and we just see see his eyes widen both sets. Yeah, I think you jab it in the neck. It's not flailing in the same way that the men are, but it's actively looking around for a way out, and you jab it, and we just get one of those slow, like it stops and just turns to look at you. And at this point, you can see that it does have blazing raptor-like slits that dilate and then contract as it focuses on you, and it just goes... I didn't need to roll that notice after all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next round. Uh, Set, you have a king of spades. Sia, you have a four of spades. The female has a king of clubs, and the males have a ten of hearts. Spades go before clubs, which means that set goes first. Unless you would like to Benny your your draw. I'm not gonna get You've one Benny left. So yeah. Okay. I might need that to soak bird death. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, set, you are up, sir. Oh man, you ran into the hole, so and you're still in the hole, right? She she's dangling from the side of it with yeah. her legs. So she's not like in the whole hole. Okay. So I wanted to cast strong havoc down there. Very cool. Nice. Okay, yeah. and um, are you trying to make it a cone or a burst or... A blast. A blast, okay. So when you angle the blast, what are you trying to do with the Havoc? What's your what's your goal here? I'm trying to smash them all against the wall, disorient them and uh, knock them over, all those things that Havoc Perfect. does. This would be me making a sandstorm in there, so the sand in there would just like burst out of the center and just smash everything against the sides. That's perfect. Okay, well, uh, go ahead and roll to cast. You can definitely hit all three of them with the template. That's easy enough, seeing as how they're gathered. With a success, you place a medium blast template. Anyone touched is distracted and must then make a strength roll. So go ahead and make your roll, sorry. Uh, I rolled a four. Is that including your minus one from the fatigue? No, it does not. That's a three. I'm going to spin a Benny. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, that blew up. On both dice. Nice. Uh, My D8 and my D6. So I'm going to grab a different D8 and a different D6 and add those to them. And that blows up on the D8 as well. So roll another D8. And that comes out to a 22. Wow. (laughs) You make quite a sandstorm. Uh, Okay, what does this look like then? Basically, I want to drop prone, looking over the edge of the pit and with my hands in the sand. My eyes are going to do the funny lights again, where they kind of just encroach from the sides towards the center. They don't fully envelop it, but it just kind of like comes in with that red color. And as my hands are touching the sand, you see the sand in the very center of the pit at the bottom kind of bubble up and just burst outwards on all sides. Just a significant amount of it comes up and smashes, blows outward and smashes all the trailblazers into the, the sides of the wall as it goes. Awesome. Whipping and making terrible noise they are all distracted you got a raise so they all have to make their strength roll at a further minus two so they're they're all rolling at a minus four here i made it strong as well oh you did okay yeah so that was three power points so it's a a minus six okay one of them got a one the other got a four so they're in the negatives and the female has a d8 she got a six and she's already at one wound, so yeah, they're they're all in the negatives, so they all get blasted off their feet. Victims who strike a hard object, such as a wall, take 2d4 damage. Non-lethal unless it's a spiked wall or other more dangerous hazard. Uh, would you like to go ahead and roll 2d4 damage for each of them? I think it's more interesting if we roll it independently rather than a blanket yeah. damage. Yeah, I'll go ahead and roll that. So male number one. 
That's four. Four damage, okay. Male number two. That's two fours. Oh boy. So they both blow up. I don't have enough D4s out here. Uh, plus two and then another two. So that's uh, 12 damage total. 12 damage total, okay. So male number two is the one that was not fully bound. Oh, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, so male number two is the one that was not fully bound, uh, but he was still shaken and entrapped. That is going to be enough damage to knock him out entirely. So he gets knocked unconscious. You rolled you rolled a four for the first one. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I forgot that being bound as opposed to entangle means you are also vulnerable, which means you get a further plus two to everything done to you, which would mean instead of a four, it's a six, and their toughness is a five. So because he's already shaken, that would deal one wound, which also knocks him unconscious. So both of the males have now been knocked unconscious. Go ahead and roll 2d4 for the female. And that's a three total. Three total. Okay, so that is not going to be enough to do anything to her. So yeah, your uh, sandstorm swirls up and knocks all three of them backward, even the female. I think maybe she manages to get one of her wings up and in front of her a little bit to absorb some of the impact, but she gets tossed back into the wall and lets out a, a squawk of pain as she rebounds. One of the males, the one who had been tangled in the net and buried in sand, I think it just shoves him completely up against the wall and just cracks him in the noggin, and he stops moving. And then the one who is also in the net, you know, just gets tossed back in a spiral pattern, crunches against the wall, and slumps to the ground, silent. Very impressive. So I'm going to roll 2d6 to see how long they're unconscious for, and that'll be for me to know. All right, uh, did you want to move or anything, or is that the extent of your turn? That's the extent of my turn for now, yeah. Uh, Oh, I'll draw my spear. Free item interactions, that's easy enough. Next up is the female. Man, let's see if they can actually use any of their cool abilities. I insist they do. Is she still shaken? No, she she is still shaken, so yeah, she does need to unshake. Let's see here. Oh, she got two twos, so I'm going to spend my last penny to have her unshake so she can actually act this turn. Ooh, that's bad news for you, bird. I think she's going to multi-action. She's going to first try to attack Sia, and then she's going to try to make her way out of the hole with her super speed. Sounds right. So her first one, this is actually like the same action, but two things happening. So she'll get a minus two, uh, blew a six into a seven. Uh, so she's multi-actioning. That's a minus two. Her other one is a minus one from her wound penalty, which means it's a four. And she's using the equivalent of a bolt on you. Okay. I've named this molten globule. So... <laughs> uh, let me let me finish the rest of the action first, and then we'll see if she can. Oh, she got another seven minus. Yes. Okay. All right. Something finally worked for them. She sees you, Sia, just hanging there on the side, and she clicks her beak at you, and then she turns around and faces away from you, leans down into a pose that clearly says she's about to start running. She fans out her feathers, and you see the the twinkling plumage there. And then she digs her feet into the ground and scrapes the claw down along the oil trail and flings it up into the air to spray back against you. So uh, her her molten globule is a 2d6 damage bolt with lingering damage uh, that also counts as a heavy weapon because it's basically like napalm. So 2d6 damage coming at you. Uh, a five and a three, so you're going to take eight damage. Uh, 
five it with two armor, so no, that's a no go. Okay, so it'll it'll shake you then. So you're you're not wounded, uh, but you basically have this flammable goo all over you that's going to continue burning. And with that same motion, because she succeeded in her speed, she lunges forward, runs straight up the expanse and out of the pit. Damn it. And then starts streaking forward. And there is a line of fire that goes forward and up and out of the pit. So she has activated her speed power and is using that to run up the wall. That seems right. One of their other things is while they have speed active, they have the wall walker ability. That's cool. Because they That's can- That's really cool. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. I didn't know that you were going to dig a pit, so it's actually perfectly, it makes sense. So I'm glad that we got to have that. <laughs> yeah, it works great. It'd also be cool to see them run up a mesa wall. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So she is up and out and starts to go. Her base speed, because she has the higher than average pace of, I think eight is what you could get. A horse is probably 10. So she's she's like a pace of 16 to 20 right now. So she is starting to go. And on the next round of combat, if you go first, you could potentially do something before she's out of range. Uh, so now it is your turn. What would you like to do, Sia? Oh, boy. She's going to go after it because she's poised too. So she's going to wall walk on out for her movement and try to catch up. Is she within my standard movement still? So you're out of the pit. Your standard movement is six pace. You're on the wall. Roll to see if you can unshake. Oh, you're right. Because you are shaken. My spirit's a d4. Oh, God, is it? Yeah. Bad. I'm going to spend my last penny. Okay, so you're unshaken. I think you could, like, leap across the pit and then wall walk up out of there. She's still going to be, let's see, it's 16 feet deep. Each square of movement is five feet, so she would have spent three to go up. One to go forward, three to go up is four. She's, like, 12 pace away from you. 12 squares, effectively. So if I use my extra Yara action to run to catch up. Yeah, you can roll to run. Roll your d6 and add that to your pace. Six, baby! You got a six. Okay, so then she is only going to be six pace away from you. I don't have any ranged attacks. I stand by this. Okay. There's nothing I can do. All my stuff is is melee based. No ranged attacks no. whatsoever. I oh. built her to be a melee girl. <laughs> then I like the image of Sia furiously chasing after this creature and realizing that she has no means of stopping it. I think that's all she can do. Okay. L let me draw one more thing of initiative. Set gets a king of diamonds and the creature gets a queen of hearts. So Set, you get to, you get to act one more time before it's out of range for you. Pull my shotgun out, raise it up, and fire the one slug that I have in it. Very cool. Then uh, I think the slug makes it so that you're... I don't know if it affects the range modifier. I think it just means that you don't you don't get the plus two for being a shotgun. Slugs can fire. So it doesn't get plus two. It's 2d10 regardless of range. Okay, then yeah, go ahead and uh, roll your shooting. I'll just say there's no uh, range penalty here. But you do have your minus one to fatigue. I'm not the best at shooting, so this is kind of just a, a shot. Minus one from fatigue. It could pay off. That was a three. Um, it's running away. I'm going to spend a Benny to re-roll that. Go for it. Uh, I rolled a five. Uh, that comes out to a four with my minus one. So that's a success. No bonus damage, but you get the yeah. 2d10, <laughs> which yeah, is quite a lot, actually. In the double barrel. 
Ooh, the 10 blows up. I'm at 13 currently, plus nine. Oh my God, that does it. She has a, her vigor is a D8. So she has no armor, so her toughness is a six. She already has one wound. 10 is one wound. 14 is two wounds. 18 is three wounds. And she's already at one, so that that will kill her. So, (laughs) wow. That's awesome. He uh, reaches down as it darts up and out in the flame, and it's the fires glinting off of his scales, and the heat is heavy on his side. He breathes out, wants to steady himself as he still hears the cry of the slaughtered trail runner in his memory. He snaps the button that holds his shotgun, his double barrel shotgun on his thigh with his spear planted uh, in his left hand on the side. He raises it slowly, fingers the slug trigger in his double barreled sawed off shotgun, breathes out, pulls, and we get the bullet cam view of the slug just driving straight forward and clipping the creature clean, shattering its spinal column and its long neck as it then tumbles, head falling slack, and the flames behind it are engulfing up, catching up to it, and it just rolls and tumbles, dust flying in the air, crackling as it just skids to a dead stop. The camera pulls back onto the pit Lucia's standing there first, set behind her, and he drops his arm down, breathes uh, back in, and puts the shotgun in its holster and snaps it shut, and then turns back to the hole. The bird lurches for you know, it's it's leaning down with its feathers fanned out as it just sprints away pell-mell at top speed. You can almost see the fire burning hotter and faster as it races to catch up on the oil trail. And uh, when the slug slams into it, it pitches forward, tumbling in the sand, as you mentioned. And then the the flames quickly catch up and encircle the bird, but do not tarnish the flesh or feathers as it smolders in the afternoon sun. I'd like to use my last adventure card. Excellent. Please do. It's Renown. Could you read that to us? Play after completing a good deed of some import. Everyone who contributed receives a point of conviction. If not using conviction, they refresh their bennies instead. That's really cool, Very dude. cool. I think, uh, I think we can definitely be using conviction here. I love conviction. I think it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I like how that, that thematically ties into what you're doing for your tribe as well. So that'll probably carry forward. That'll definitely carry forward. Like if you bring back three trailblazers... You know, just rolling on in like, hey, what's up? That uh, that will be pretty cool. Sorry I've been gone. Here's some birds. But yeah, that that's great. I love it. So yeah, you guys can both take conviction. That plan went off uh, about as well as it could have, all things considered. Well done. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Silica Valley. We are always happy to have you. Sorry this episode came out a little late for the main feed. We had a very busy day over here getting ready for uh, the holiday. 
But if that means you're spending some time with us on the holiday and you needed a little break from busy shenanigans, well, we're more than happy to spend the time with you. Music on this episode, we have Marcus D, who you can find at Marcus D on Twitter and at MarcusD.net. Savage Worlds is owned by the Pinnacle Entertainment Group, and you can find them and their products online at peginc.com. You can not only find us on Twitter at RPG for You and Me, but you can also find us on Hive at RPG for You and Me and at You See the Hat. Not sure where Hive's going, but I'm liking it so far. Come on over and check us out. Boy, howdy, are there some patrons I'd like to thank this week. Thank you so much to Michael, Chase, Valentine, and Ezra. Though I know y'all have heard these episodes already, I hope you're enjoying them. And I would also like to say thank you to Caleb Sunstead, Jackie, Davriel, Zach, Ben Hatton, and Paxton. If you would like to be ranked among these storied patrons, you can find us at patreon.com slash RPG for you and me. Thank you all for listening this week. News on season four Neon Heat upcoming. See you next time.